Hey everybody, welcome to Monday Live, uh, Hope for Our Times. Very special guest is joining me today. We're going to take a look behind the curtains at the, some of the dark things that are taking place where the real work is being done. Uh, people here on this planet are being manipula manipulated, excuse me, like pieces on a chessboard. Well, who's doing the manipulating? Well, we're going to look at that, take a look behind the curtain. We're going to go into some dark stuff. Uh, don't worry, you won't be afraid because you got Jesus. Once you get Jesus, you're in good shape. If not, you're about ready to be alerted to how much you are being manipulated. So uh, with that, please welcome my guest today, Nathan Jones. Nathan, uh, great having you here with us today. Uh, fantastic. It's really good to see you again. You too, Tom. I really enjoyed our last conversation, and it's so such an honor to be on your program. And just watch the YouTube stats go up and up and up as you connect with people all over the world and bring the good news of Jesus Christ soon return. So we here at Lamb and Lion Ministries resonate with your message, and we have the same passion and interest of getting people excited about Christ soon return. So uh, I'm honored to be on your program. Hey, man, it's great being here, uh, having you here with me. I, I look back to, you know, I started watching and reading Dr. Reagan, I'm thinking 30 years ago. Had to have been back then. And... Uh, uh, he's one of the founded Lamb and Lion Ministries and Christ in Prophecy, the website.org. Uh, ch check that out too. Of course, the links will be in here. Now, I do want to say this, Nathan. This is live on the app today. On Tuesday, it's going to be on YouTube. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we have uh, some challenges that we work out with certain platforms. And uh, so that's what's going on here. But I want to welcome everybody that's watching live with us and those on Tuesday. But also, because this is posting Tuesday on YouTube, I don't want to forget Yom HaShoah, which is the Holocaust Remembrance Day. And uh, for all of you who are watching, on Sunday evening, I did a live with Olivier Melnick in studio, and we talked uh, all about the anti-Semitism that is taking place, remembering uh, the Holocaust Remembrance Day. Uh, go check it out. It was the Sunday night live on the app, on the website. It's also on YouTube. Uh, one more thing I need to mention, Nathan, is uh, on, is this. Uh, uh, Pastor Mark Henry filled in for me Sunday morning uh, at 412 Church, and it went to post on the Hope for Our Times YouTube. YouTube uh, didn't allow us to post it, but it is for reasons that are just bizarre. But anyways... Uh, it is, it's on the app, it's on the website. I know many of you guys already saw that, but these are just the hurdles. We, we, we just got to play this game. Hence, we have a website. Hence, we have uh, the app, and, uh, and we can post everything here. Um, okay, enough of that, Nathan. Great having you here. Uh, oh, I want to welcome the people that are watching live right now from Ireland, from Australia, uh, from Vancouver and other countries that I probably haven't even seen. Uh, but Nathan, let's go into this dark world that is behind the curtain. Uh, I know from the book of Daniel that the angel Gabriel was trying to get to Daniel. Daniel had this vision. He didn't understand it. And, and it had to do with the 70, 70 weeks are determined for your people. And it, so there's this battle that was going on in the heavenly realm where we can't visually see it. But Daniel records it. He talks about it. It was very real. We, of course, of course, know Michael, the archangel from Daniel chapter 12, also 
we look at this. We have passages in the New Testament. So it's not just Old Testament, it's New Testament too. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. You have one of your books is there behind you, uh, The Mighty Angels. And uh, take us on a journey, a journey that we need to know that people perhaps will, will wake up if they're asleep and realize that's what's really going on. People are really being manipulated. There are some very spiritual dark forces behind this with the principalities and powers. So well, I'll just start here by asking you a question. Can you uh, just give us an idea? What, are, what does it mean in the Bible when we hear the term principalities and powers? Most people go to Ephesians 6, 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we know from the Bible, and the Bible's replete with examples of where the armies of God are fighting the armies of Satan. And uh, for us as humans, kind of caught in the middle and pawns, uh, for Satan's uh, side, more say, but the Lord is using Satan to get people saved. And believe it or not, we are rebelling just like Satan and his hosts rebelled. And a lot of the stuff that we see going on in the world today, the, the crazy stuff in our culture, the governments that seem hell-bent on a one-world government and a future world leader, uh, everything has been prophesied by the Bible. So we know that this evil is, is always good. And you go back to Isaiah where where Satan told the world uh, through the, the God revealed it through the prophet that Satan's goal is to be worshiped. He wants, he used to be the cherub over the throne of God. He was God's worship leader, so to speak. He was the, the worship minister for heaven. And he was the most greatest of all creation, most powerful, most beautiful, but still he was a created being. And as the heavenly hosts worshiped the Lord, Satan became jealous of the, the worship that God was getting. He started coveting his, and his pride and beauty. He somehow convinced a third of the angels to join him in an attempt to overthrow God. Well, the Bible says that God obviously uh, defeated him. Ar Michael, the archangel, defeated him, and God cast Satan and his hosts down to the earth. Now, for all the way up until the flood, the demonic world uh, plagued the, the earth. Uh, you hear a lot of stories of Nephilim and things like that, which I don't want to get into. But the demonic world was then divided into two realms. It was the disembodied spirits that would continue to plague mankind. And you also had a, another demonon, demonic group that was put in what's called the bottomless pit underneath the Euphrates River, which during the tribulation time period, Revelation says, will be released. They're the ones that look like giant chimera creatures and locust creatures and all these horrible things that will come out upon the earth. So we've got two divisions, two uh, types of principalities and powers. But then as you read through the Bible, you learn that the demonic world is also organized like it's a army. So you have your, your top Satan, and then you have his generals like Abaddon, also known as Apollyon, and others, and then it goes down the list to your buck private demon. And it's interesting that as the Lord dealt with people who were demon-possessed, because he said they were spirits who were seeking bodies, places to inhabit, both human and animals, that they were almost insane in nature. And you got to wonder if their constant separation, uh, their, constant, their sin is driven them mad, so to speak. So a lot of the insanity that we see in this world is because the demonic world behind it is 
very much insane due to their sin. So that's what we're living in. We're living in this demonic world. You can't see it, but that's what I love about the book of Revelation, because you can go to the book of Revelation. It derives from the Greek word apocalypsis. It's used 18 times in the Bible, and we get our English word apocalypse from. In the Greek, apo means to away from, and kaluma refers to a veil. So the verb apocalypto, there we go, actually means to unveil. So the book of Revelation, if you want to know what's going on in the world, how the demonic world is interacting with our world, then you go to the book of Revelation because it unveils that spiritual battle, and we can see what's going on in the world with these principalities and powers. That was excellent. I think Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, and in that unveiling, I love your description of the Greek there, because somebody, you know, Hollywood's made it into... Um, the apocalypse doesn't mean the disaster or the calamity. It's the unveiling. So it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. But in that, where people forget is, is Jesus in past, Jesus in present, Jesus in future, and all of the bizarre things that are going on behind the curtain and how Jesus is going to still be glorified even in the future is what Revelation unveils. In that is this very dark spiritual world. Okay, now I got asked this question a while ago. I wasn't able to get to it. It was on a live. I get, you know, we get tons of questions on here, and we will again today. But you, you mentioned Apollyon or Abaddon. Uh, and who is that? That's Revelation chapter 9, I believe, is where that comes from. That is, uh, yeah, it's Rev, isn't that, yeah, it's Revelation chapter 9. And they had, a, as king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in Greek it's Apollyon, and then one woe is passed, but still there are two more woes. So uh, I think you said that was the devil himself, or was that one of his high-ranking... Um, no, we, we know that Satan rules over this world. He's behind the scenes, uh, manipulating the demonic world, uh, the governments, uh, the principalities, powers. Satan still controls this world, but we always have to remember as Christians that Jesus Christ died on the cross. And when he died, well, let's go back even further. When humanity had the title deed to the earth, when we sinned and fell, the title deed was transferred over to Satan. That's why when Jesus was tempted by Satan, uh, Satan could offer the world to Jesus because he had title deed of the earth. But Jesus defeated Satan was on the cross. So the Lord, when we see that in the book of Revelation, because the Lord opens the seven seals on the scroll, and the scroll is the title deed to the earth. So we know that Jesus is going to get it back, but he hasn't taken it yet. And he hasn't come back yet, because as we learn in 1 Peter 3 and other places, that he wants all to come to know him as Savior as many as possible. So even though Satan is autonomous to some respect, his demonic world is autonomous, again, the whole purpose is to get elevate Satan to worship, and he will achieve that for a little while when he possesses the Antichrist, and for three and a half years, he forces the world to bow down and worship him and worship his living image. Now, during that time, we've got the satanic world working behind the scenes, but more and more exposed to the point in the tribulation, it's just outright, it's very obviously there's a demonic world, but you get to... Uh, the fifth trumpet judgment, so about the midpoint of the tribulation time period, and we see that this these locust demons are released from this bottomless pit. And as these these multitudes and multitudes of these horrific looking things, that we can 
if we got if you turn to uh, chapter nine folks uh the fifth angel sounded saying i saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth to him was given the key to the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit and smoke rose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace and it goes on these locusts came out of it and they were given power like scorpions to have power they were commanded by god see this is interesting that god still has authority over them they're not totally autonomous to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given authority to kill them. Again, God's restraining them, but to torment people for five months. And their torment was like the, the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. It's so bad that during those, those months, men will seek death, but will not find it. They'll desire to die. And then the Bible says death will flee from them. It also says that their heads had these crowns that look something like gold. And this is John trying to explain it, right? They're, Faces had the appearances of men, but they had hair, I guess long hair like a woman's, but they had lion-like teeth. They had breastplates of iron. They had wings and the sound of like chariots with many horses running. They had tails that looked like scorpions, and they had stings in their tails. And they go around for five months during the tribulation time period and sting those who have followed Satan, either have taken his, or the mark is about to be instituted, but who follow uh, the Antichrist and his people, now, those who get saved during the tribulation, they have the mark of God on them, whether that's visible or not. And the demons, these scorpion demons, know not to attack uh, the, those people who have the mark of Christ. But they have a king over them. And the king is Abaddon or Apollyon. And some will say, well, well, that's Satan. Well, Satan hasn't been locked in a pit for the last 6,000 years. He's been ruling and reigning. He tempted Christ, right? So we, he uh, possessed Judas Iscariot. So we know he's on the air. So Abaddon or Apollyon is the king over them down in the pit. And it, it's creepy, too, because you get to the sixth trumpet judgment, and you get this one, uh, sorry, 200 million man army, which is another, to me, I think is a demonic army that will plague the earth during that time period. You've got these four chimera-like creatures who breathe fire and burn people during that time. So they have tails that look like serpents with heads on them. I mean, it's... Uh, Tom, you went to the freakiest part possible because clearly Revelation 9 has some of the freakiest demonic creatures you could ever imagine. And they've been all held in the bottomless pit waiting that day to be released to, as one of God's punishments upon mankind. Well, you wrote a book on it. <laughs> so, so there. So no, it is. I mean, I look at it and I appreciate what you said about the 200 million man army. You know, I've been convinced for a long time this is a demonic army and, and man people just do not like that when i say that they'll they'll send me all kinds of emails and everything but i mean clearly in the context to me that that's what it is but i mean you talk about a time when evil will be unleashed but again this is during the tribulation everybody so it's understanding not right now and so it still comes in revelation chapter 9. okay now you mentioned just these chimera like creatures i gotta ask you this I have a lot of questions. You just threw a whole bunch into my mind, so it's your fault when I come up with all these. Get to Revelation chapter 16. Uh, you have the sixth bull judgment. You, you've got these demonic creatures that are calling the battles of the world to come and do battle at uh, Megiddo, uh, the Jezreel Valley. And out of the, these frog-like creatures are these demons. I mean, that is one, it's just one of the creepiest pictures in all of Scripture along with what you're reading in chapter 9. I mean, it's just bizarre. Uh, here, what's it say here? Let me find it so everybody's on the same page and realize how... Pardon me? 
Verse 12, yeah. Verse 12, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on it that no one knew except himself. Oh, I got the wrong chapter. <laughs> I wonder, I'm yeah. talking about Jesus. I got... <laughs> no, 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 no problem, demons with Jesus. Yeah, I had the wrong. I had the wrong chapter there. Somebody's going to take that. Although, isn't it fascinating to know that these creatures were actually created by God? They're created yeah. beings. God created now. Whether they degraded themselves over time because of their sin, and I think that's the case, not only mentally but physically, they're monsters of what they were. I can't imagine what they must have looked like in their almost glorified pre-fall state. But God created these creatures. Yeah. Mind. Oh, well, so, well, you yeah. see, you see this influence. God created them male and female right? Beautiful, male and female, but yet what is man doing because of sin? Completely corrupting the whole thing. So what's happened in the heavenly realm with the, the dark side, we see it playing out on earth. Okay, now I have the right chapter. Chapter 19 was about Jesus. I knew something was wrong there when I'm reading it. <laughs> chapter 16, verse 12, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl, on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, that would be Satan, out of the mouth of the beast, Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Um, and um, for they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and uh, of the whole world to gather them to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. So it's these, these frog-like creatures and these demons coming out of them. It's just bizarre, bizarre imagery. Uh, well, it shows, too, that not only is the Antichrist possessed by Satan, but so is the false prophet. And so the, the, you can have more than one demon. We learned that from Legion, that a, and Jesus said, I had the story about, what was it, uh, one demon is, is cast out and seven, seven more, more come yeah. back. So you can have multiple demons possess a person, and I think that's where you get a lot of these uh, multiple personality disorders is is oh, i was uh yeah. up in seattle last year speaking at a church and i was outside of a target and there was a young man there who clearly was totally drugged out and he was screaming and yelling everyone i guess in seattle it's allowed because you know here in texas they take him away but and he's he kept changing voices it was it was blowing my mind as i i sat in my car listening to him he was he his voice would change so dramatically that it wasn't him talking you could tell and there must have been five different wow. voices arguing out of this guy so we know that people could be possessed by multiple demons now not christians we have the holy spirit in us we're safe we're good but uh demons yes yeah. so and what satan does is he sends these three demons out this is the almost the very end of the tribulation over half the world population is dead. A third of the world's waters and, and the, actually not all the freshwater by this point has been destroyed. Uh, the world is teetering on the brink of extinction. And so what Satan does, he sends these three demons out to gather who's ever left on the planet. And we know by the after Armageddon that the, the Lord gathers, that he has his angels, and they gather them into the Valley of Judgment, the Valley of Jehoshaphat. So the only about amount of people left by the end of the tribulation will fit in one valley. So we're talking about whoever's left that, and he's gathering for Armageddon. Now, by the end of the, the tribulation time, the Antichrist is more incompetent than our current uh, president. Because <laughs> it, after seven years, the earth is just a disaster. I mean, it's absolutely. And so what you do is you get the king of the south, uh, likely one of his ten kings, probably over Africa, 
rebels against him and he leads an army and defeats him. But then he's worried about the kings of the East, which we read about, I believe, in Daniel 11. Yeah. And this is where China and India and some of those other countries come into Bible prophecy. They're done with the Antichrist ruling. They're coming back and they wanted to overthrow and, and end the Antichrist reign. But Satan doesn't care if there's a civil war. His purpose is to get everybody together into the Valley of Jezreel, the Valley of Armageddon, because he knows Jesus Christ is coming. And Satan has this worn out, tired strategy. And we see it again in the Millennial Kingdom. If he thinks he gets enough people together, he can stop Christ. And so that's what he's doing with these three frog demons. He's trying to gather all the people together, whether it's for whatever purpose, either that working together or in conflict. So that when Christ comes, they unite and they can possibly stop the king of kings. But as we read about in the valley of the battle of Armageddon, Jesus just has to speak and the armies melt before him. So that's what Satan uses. A great explanation. It is amazing how deceived Satan really is in his, his own, he's deceived in and of himself, but so deceived by his own pride, he actually thinks for one thing, he's gonna get rid of all the Jewish people. That's his attempt. Uh, to do that so that Jesus can't come back. That's not going to work, so he's going to attempt to shoot Jesus out of the sky when he comes back on his white horse, which is also interesting to me because Satan by then is going to know pretty much exactly when Jesus is going to be returning to the earth. Uh, we know that we can count the days uh, from the midpoint of the tribulation when Jesus is going to return. So Satan's going to know, i got to get these armies in Megiddo because Jesus is gonna be coming back on such and such date. Uh, fascinating when you, when you start putting all of this together, but it is very dark. And I wanna to get to the manipulative part that Satan, I believe, is doing right now through his demonic forces. And it's very easy. You know, you, you talk about this guy in Seattle, you look at the, uh, so many people. Mary Magdalene was possessed by seven demons. The man at Gadarenes, Legion, there are many. Um, but I want to go there in just a second and take a look behind the curtain because it, uh, we talked a little bit last time about Frank Peretti and a couple of books he had written, but just yeah. to get a glimpse and help people understand. But before we go there, Revelation chapter 12, it's one of my go-to passages because in Revelation chapter 12, uh, we are told they overcame him. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives unto death. I believe that specifically to people during the tribulation period, but also applies to all of us right now. And when we see bizarre things going on in the world right now, understand this, how do we overcome the devil, the blood of the lamb, the word of our testimony, we do not love our lives unto death. Brothers and sisters, we can be strong and we need to be strong in the Lord and recognize that throughout the centuries, this is a place that genuine believers have to come to. Do not love our lives unto death. We live for the Lord. Whatever, the, whatever happens to us, hey, the moment we, are, we depart from this planet, we're in the presence of the Lord. That's a great home going. So we overcome all of the pressures, all of the trials of this world, all of the bizarre things we see by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony. We do not love our lives unto death. However, it says... The very next verse, therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. I say amen. That's how we overcome. But woe to the inhabitants of the sea, of the earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. 
I still believe that is fulfilled in its final finality at the midpoint of the tribulation when he turns his attention to the nation of Israel to attempt to eliminate the Jews in the final Holocaust. But it appears to me, Nathan, it, uh, that Satan knows he has little time right now. I mean, things are th so bizarre. He's got his demonic troops in force. It seems like he has his minions on this planet from the George Soroses and the Bill Gates to uh, the people working in Washington and Australia, the Justin Trudeaus in Canada. I mean, you start looking across the globe and the World Economic Forum with Klaus Schwab and Yuvaldo Harari, they're everywhere. And Satan seems to be working in these people. I mean, I don't know if they're possessed, but there's weird stuff going on. Oh, absolutely, they're possessed. Uh, I'm not saying all of them, but I mean, there's times where, uh, use Justin Trudeau, for example, there's a cold black deadness in his eyes to everything. And I, I mean, we know from the Bible, Jesus himself and Paul and others, you're talking about that these coach valleys and powers exist behind human government. We That's what we're fighting as Christians. Uh, and that's why this world isn't our home. Uh, this world is Satan's currently. And that's why as Christians, we're citizens of the millennial kingdom to come. And that, that's what gets me. It's depressing. I got to say, we, I think we're all feeling it because it is yeah. terrible out there. And I talked to my parents and they remember growing up in the 50s and 60s and they tell me what a Shangri-La time period it was or something. I don't know if it's just because they were young and they remember it differently, but uh, you know, they, they, they really notice a difference between then and now morally and not just morally in our country, but morally all over the planet. I mean, there's gay pride parades everywhere except seemingly in certain areas of Africa and some Islamic countries or all Islamic countries. We're seeing this call for globalism uh, that's just coming out of the West. Uh, do you, one of my favorite scenes in the Star Wars prequels is when Padme Abadala is up there on the stand and she's watching the Emperor give a speech. And the Emperor is declaring that the Republic is over. It's now a new galactic empire. And everyone's cheering and shouting and saying, yay. And she says something to the effect of, that, she, that that's what the sound of democracy sounds like, dying to the applause of people, a paraphrase there. And it seems like we're living in a time period where we have become the bad guys. I mean, America is doing so much evil around the world and spreading moral pollution all over the planet. And, and our president and his administration are horrifically corrupt. And it just seems like we, we've become the bad guys. And the whole West seems to be the bad guys. And when you've got guys like Putin and Xi Jinping, who are nationalists, declaring that they've got to stop the globalist empire, are they the good guys? Well, no, they're not good guys, but they're the bad guys too. So is there anybody that's good that's running any country? It doesn't appear like that. I mean, Prince Charles, or now King Charles, you know, is a huge globalist with a very questionable, uh, sketchy, uh, just allegiances to the, the World Economic Forum and all. And so, yeah, it's it's scary, but you know what's funny? If you read Psalm 2, and it talks about how the nations plot in vain, and it says that God sits on his throne and he laughs, because God's using all this terrible thing going on to get people on their knees, to repent, return to him, build his kingdom in the millennial kingdom, and he's just using Satan as a pawn. You mentioned uh, how does Satan know we're getting near the end times? Well, Israel uh, becoming a nation again, as prophesied throughout the Bible, huge prophecy. It's been fulfilled in our lifetimes. And you know, Satan must be the most frustrated being on the world because 
He thought he was destroying all the Jews in the Holocaust. And what happened? Boom, they get their country as a result of it, you know? And even now, as he's amping up the persecution of the Jewish people, as I'm sure probably you and Olivier talked about, what's it doing? It's making the Jewish people go back to the land of Israel, which Ezekiel 36 and 37 said was supposed to happen, that the, all the Jews of the world are supposed to return to Israel one day, especially after the Gog-Magog war. So it seems like every time Satan has a plan to do evil, God turns it into good. And so praise God for that. A Amen. God wins. I, I think of the garden, Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is betrayed by Judas. I'm thinking, Satan's thinking, I've won. I've got him now. He's on the cross. He dies. I'm thinking Satan was probably rejoicing with his demons until, until Sunday came and Jesus rises from the dead. Didn't work out. God always, no matter, no matter how bad and evil, you mentioned, are there any good leaders in the world right now? Um, you look, you go, there is bad stuff everywhere. And you're right. When you look at Xi Jinping and Putin, you start thinking, uh, they look like good guys compared to what we have. You, you have these other countries in the world. You mentioned Africa. They don't want anything to do with uh, the promotion of gay rights and these things. They know that marriage is supposed to be between a man or a woman. And the United States of America is for, forcing their filth and their rot of doing forcing everywhere they possibly can that these Islamic countries are saying, hey, Saudi Arabia and others, we can't trust America anymore. Nobody trusts America anymore. Japan doesn't trust America anymore. This is, this is bad stuff. But at the same time, uh, America isn't this great superpower when it comes to the last days. But uh, it certainly appears Satan knows his time is short and everything has been amped up. Okay, I'm going to go over here for just a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is the New King James, uh, Nathan. Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. But I look at this, all the strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, I believe some translations say, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We're witnessing these bizarre things exalting themselves against God. Um, you look at chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, we have this, dem this demonic world that Paul is describing. Take, give us a look a little bit behind what's going on. Maybe in another, I, I see things going on in another dimension. We can't see them physically. Hence, Paul says, it's not a carnal battle you're going to win. You're not going to fight it physically. It's something else. Yeah. Well, look, for instance, this gender dysphoria, this desire to end both sexes and have one gender, basically, which, of course, is for license for every kind of sexuality is really what it's about. But in all my research, when I was writing this book on the Mighty Angels of Revelation, which covers 72 groups of angels and classes of angels that you can find in the book of Revelation, is that they're, they're even though they're referred to as he or his, always in the male, never in the female, there's only one instance, and that was really just a, a symbol for evil. It wasn't an actual female angel. So they're always called he, but they're considered genderless. It, it appears because Jesus says they're not given in marriage, therefore they don't have sex, therefore they don't reproduce. Oh. So we've got these creatures who are androgynous, 
And when they possess people, what do the people instantly want to do? They want to become androgynous. They want to get rid of their gender. So I think as we we see, we call it mental illness, but a lot of mental illness, as we know, in Jesus' time especially, was revealed as demonic possession. And we see as more and more people are rebellious against the Lord and, and experiment with drugs which open their minds. And you could talk more about that than I, I can, Tom, uh, from the people you know in history and all. But, you know, the, they open up the mind and they open up the spirit to demonic influence. And what happens is that they seem to champion the end of genders. And so I think this is a, a direct, what was it just last week? The um, girls uh, sports, she's a spoke, I forget her name, but she's a spokeswoman for uh, women's sports. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Rapido, and, the soccer player. Yeah. And she yeah. was backed into a, it had it locked for three hours and, and pushed around by transgenders. And well, what do we read about that? Mobs of, of gay people and, and transgender or, or people attacking? Hmm. Sounds a lot like the story of Lot, where we had a bunch of these oh, oh. actual offenders, as the Bible call them, attacking. You know, hold on one second. I said the wrong person. I was thinking Rapino is a soccer player that She's, is coming out in support of the transgender yes. movement, but it's uh, the singer, uh, the, the swimmer. Uh, I don't know why I'm drawing blanks on her name all of a sudden. That was I, that was forced into a room because of what you're just saying. Yeah, yeah. Is the, the, Riley uh, Riley Gaines is who you're thinking of. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. So you know we're seeing. You know, it used to be it was subtle because I think we had such a strong Christian influence in this country. But as that wanes, it's like there's this greater weight on the the dam and the the holes and are coming out, and we're starting to see this unveiling. We're kind of at a crossroads in our time period because the Lord has been using the United States mightily and before that Great Britain and before that Portugal to get the gospel out around the world. And we're also seeing how the church is waning in this Laodicean age, but Israel is rising. So it's not just that the church rapture and then Israel, but there's a kind of a passing of the guard going on right now. And so as the church wanes, we see evil rise and evil feel more free to reveal itself. So when you see, uh, you know, this, this madness, these 200 or so kids in Chicago storming through it and stomping, you know, cars and stuff like that, you know, this is, this is a, a demonic expression again, again, the principalities and powers behind these acts of civil disobedience. And I'm not saying that every kid that was storming the, the city is demon possessed, but it's demonically influenced or stuff. As we see more drag queen story out, if anybody's demon possessed, it's these these people. I mean, they do you remember it was like two or three years ago the San Francisco gay men's choir came out with a song and their song was uh, We're Coming for Your Children. Yep. It was chilling. And what have we seen in the last three years? A constant going after our children. Yep. especially yep. in the school systems and the elementary level. That's that's demonic, right? So totally demonic. And can you imagine after the rapture when the Bible says that the restraining influence will be removed from the world, probably because of the church, there won't be Christians here. The Holy Spirit will be here, obviously, for salvation's purpose. Re imagine if we took every restraint out of the United States and let everybody just do what they wanted on a global scale. Can you imagine the amount of evil and chaos that will happen after the rapture of the church? And what kind of world will grow out of that? Well, we read it in the Bible. It's it's horrific. It's almost like China's government right now. And so, uh, brother, as bad as it gets, it's now, it's nothing compared to what it's going to be like in the days after the rapture. Uh, totally. Uh, that was so well said. Everything that you just put together there, Nathan.
It's uh, also, you commented on this, the, this thing in Chicago that happened. First thing that came into my mind when I saw that, I think it was last night I watched it, was lawlessness will abound. And we are going to watch it. And everything we see now, so spot on, is going to increase exponentially after the rapture. The restrainer is here. When those seals start being loosed, when Jesus starts loosening the seals on the, on the scroll, baby, this is going to get unbelievably worse. I mean, what's restraining anything from the Biden administration? I mean, look what they're trying to do. I, you, I mean, all the way around, just the bizarre things. I, I, I'm going to go back to Psalm 2 for just a minute uh, and also ask everybody, start sending in your questions. Put the word question in all caps so I can see it, but start sending them in. But in Psalm 2, you quoted it earlier, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. Uh, that term for plot in the New King James, it literally means conspire. It's a conspiracy. So people say, man, you guys are conspiracy nuts. Well, God says, God lists all kinds of conspiracies that are in the Bible against God and against his people, his kings, his people he has in place, his prophets. And here in Psalm 2, and this is the cord that they have a problem with. Let us cast off their cords and their res the, the restraints of God from us. That's what they're talking about, is this book right here. And that day will come. The rapture is going to take place. The restraints are going to be taken off. And still, even in that, Nathan, even during the tribulation period, God is still going to be showing mercy and, and controlling the dynamic. You, you point out Revelation chapter 9 with these demonic creatures. They're stinging. They're not going to be able to kill people. People are going to beg to die, but God's still sovereign. Even in all of this, but what's God do? He holds them in derision and laughs, as you said, as you said earlier. Okay, we have some questions here um, for you. Uh, this is from Ryan Reed. How do you explain dinosaurs to unbelievers? That's not our topic, but, but, uh, but uh, I mean, dinosaurs are, when you look at the Bible, Nathan, what I've read, dinosaurs are actually in the Bible. You have Leviathan and, and uh, one of the other creatures that are in the Old Testament. So uh, I'm not sure that's a little bit off topic, but. Uh, uh, you answer that or are we moving on? Pardon me? You want me to answer that since it's sure. off topic? Sure. They asked it. Uh, go for it. Okay, yeah. The book of Job records uh, different dinosaurs. You got to remember that the word dinosaurs didn't come about till the 1800s before dinosaurs that were just animals lumped in with all the other animals. And uh, so we, when we classify them as separate, of course, they're extinct, but you can find etchings and, and pictures in every civilization of dinosaurs, especially brachiosaurus and all in the artwork. Uh, there's stories of them even like 500 years ago. And uh, I think in the 1920s, they even pulled up a plesiosaurus in Japan. So uh, the idea that the dinosaurs uh, were pre-Adam and Eve is, is, isn't biblical. The, the history, separate from the Bible, shows that dinosaurs have been up. They, they've got triceratops where they're, they're taking their, the horn off and they're finding flesh still in it. Not, not fossilized, but flesh. So there's so much evidence that dinosaurs didn't disappear millions of years ago, but only hundreds of years ago. And uh, Tom and I are, are Bible creation science ministries. I, I strongly recommend 
answers in Genesis and Institute of Creation Research, and my good buddy, Eric Hovind of Creation Today, he can answer all your questions related to creation, the dinosaurs. But the Bible uh, proves, the history proves that dinosaurs aren't ancient, they're just extinct and recently extinct. Yeah, that was great. In fact, Lisa D even put answers in Genesis on here and uh, appreciate that with uh, Eric Hovind. I, I just saw him on a program the other day. It might have been yours. I don't know, was, was he on with you sometime recently? We held a conference with him and Joe Martin about that topic. If you folks okay. go to our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel. That's where it was, the, yeah. Uh, Battles of the Bible Conference at Genesis versus Revelation. Tim Moore and myself, we took Revelation, and Joe Martin and Eric Hovind took uh, Genesis. And they answered, we had a huge long question and answer session, and dinosaurs came up. So check that out on our YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, Eric's great. I've known him for many years, and he really knows his creation science. Very good. That was a, that was a question that was off topic, but that was a great answer. Yeah, we should get but, back to demons and angels and stuff. Well, right? I do want to thank the person for asking this because that was a great answer. Yeah. Your YouTube. So, how can they find that? On, what's your YouTube channel called? Not just Christ in Prophecy. Christ That's in also Prophecy. The, our, our television program. We've had a television program since 2002. Uh, Tim Moore and myself now hosted since Dr. David Reagan, who's our founder, uh, retired. And uh, folks can see our, our channel. We have other videos too, prophetic perspectives, inboxes, Bible prophecy insights videos. I don't think we can catch up to Tom. He seems to make a video every day. We'd be exhausted trying to keep up with that. But maybe every other day, we're, we've got a lot of videos on our channel and our website at ChristianProphecy.org. Oh, your website's great. It's been building and building for years and years. And it's a great go-to uh, website, Christ in Prophecy. Uh, well, thank you. I'm the Internet Evangelist. That's one of the hats I wear besides co-host and podcaster and all. So me and my associate, Stephen, have put a lot of time and energy trying to make a, our website to be a go-to place for all your questions related to Bible prophecy. And if you can't find it on our website, just click Contact and send me a question, and I'll try to answer it for you. Great. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay, now we have a couple of questions coming that are on topic or what we were talking about. Actually, it looks like we have several questions. Lori Saunders, uh, what is the difference between the fallen angels and demons? I thought God only created angels in, in that sense. Right. Um, I don't see a difference between fallen angels and demons, but you can talk to other folks, say at Prophecy Watchers or Skynet, or Skywatch, excuse me, and they're going to insist that, that the... Fallen angels are your disembodied angels, the ones that God kicked out of heaven. They tried to overthrow the Lord, and he sent, kicked them out of heaven. They came, they disembodied, and now they look to possess people. And that the spirits of the anti of the Nephilim, who were a hybrid between humans and angels, supposedly, but angels can't reproduce, so I have a little trouble with that interpretation. I, I think that there were demon-possessed men who were with women and created children that were the heroes of old. But they believe that when they died, their spirits became the demons and they're separate and distinct from the fallen angels. I, I don't see how the Bible makes that case. I, I see they're definitely a third of the angels rebelled against the Lord and they were cast down the earth. Now, what's interesting about angels and demons is they're not a bunch of white guys with blonde curly hair and, and you know dove wings with a halo over their head and they're playing harps. You know, that's that's Americana pictures. When we read the Bible about, about angels, 
we read that some of them are made out of fire and some of them have four faces and some have four wings and some have six wings. Some are giants and some are, are acts of nature. We just read about the locust demons and the chimera demons and there's all sorts of different sizes and shapes. So when we can say, yes, they are fallen angels or demons, uh, one category, but then there's so many different, if you can say species or kinds within that, they're not just all uniform like clone troopers there there's so many different kinds of demons as is there's so many different kinds of angels but they're all in that category that class that creation called the angelic realm or angels that was excellent i have said that same thing and i uh, had several angry people email me and tell me i need to go watch some of our colleagues who will straighten me out on the angels and demons yeah, yeah, I get the same same emails. Yeah, yeah. I'll probably get some after this. Let me say go to prophecywatchers.com, and then you can direct your questions to those guys. Hey, and they're, they're good friends of ours too. So, <laughs> um, we're not going to lose our salvation based on uh, our belief of demons. It's not a salvation issue. It's not a I salvation think, issue. Yeah. What's amazing, Tom, is that someday we're going to see these creatures face to face. I mean, obviously, when we're raptured to heaven, we're yeah. going to see the whole angelic realm uh but then when we come back with jesus and watch him defeat the antichrist the false prophet he's going to cast satan into a pit and the demon demons well i think they're going to be sent to the lake of fire it doesn't say specifically but they're not released when satan is released so they must be destroyed and so we're going to see what they look like one day and i think that's going to going to just blow our mind we'll have to be in our glorified bodies that are perfected bodies just to be able to take all that in it's going to be pretty it's going to be exciting i mean to think of the, the, the creatures that we see on this earth, I just think of all the different animals God's created, giraffes, zebras, things that are under the sea, dogs and cats, as common as they are, they're still kind of, I mean, a dog, dogs are always happy. I can't figure that one out, no matter what. I mean, the, all the different creatures God creates, but yet in the heavenly realm, we have, all we get is the pictures that the Bible gives us. And man, it, I mean, off the charts. But this does take us to another question. Just what you're saying. Mary Latona says, will angels escort us in the rapture? She says, will our angels, is specifically what she says, escort us in the rapture? What are your thoughts? One of the stories I included in, in my uh, Mighty Angels of Revelation book was a story by a pastor from Nashville. And uh, he had this older woman, she was in her 90s, and she was dying. And, and her last request was for him to come and see her. And read her last rites and all that. And uh, she was coming in out of consciousness and she woke up and says to the, ask the pastor, who are the two men standing at the foot of my bed? And he says, um, well, do you, what do you see? He says, well, I see these two gentlemen all dressed in white and they're beckoning to me. She says, what should I do? And he, he gives her a response, something like say, I'm ready. And then she dies and that was it. And he believes, even though he couldn't see him, that those were the angels that the Bible says will take us, escort us up to heaven. So will we meet our guardian angels? Uh, we know that as soon as we die as a Christian, as a Christian, you're saved, you're immediately escorted in the presence of Jesus by the angels. Now, whether it's a, a guardian angel, there are guardian angels in the Bible. I actually started writing this book because uh, my parents got this terrible car wreck and were helped by a, a biker that no one remembered ever being there except my father and mother. And so... Uh, I, we think that's a guardian angel, and that's why I really got into studying angels after that to, to understand that. And other people have come up to me over the years and said, 
hey, I've met that biker angel. He helped me here, and then he disappeared. I'm like, <laughs> so the Lord uses them mightily. But uh, yeah, there's the I. We will see the the angels. Maybe we'll meet our guardian angels or angels. Maybe it's a rotating shift. The Bible really doesn't say specifically, but if Revelation is the unveiling of the of what's going on in the world at the spiritual level, when we're in heaven. Those two worlds will be one. So the spiritual world will be our world, and we'll see them all face to face. But I can guarantee you that as incredible as the mightiest of all the angels, uh, there's going to be nothing comparing to see Jesus Christ and God the Father sitting on his throne. That is going to be the ultimate. Amen. Uh, so, so well said. And I want to say this also, Nathan. Some of the things that you're talking about, to people who don't really believe the Bible, they're, they're thinking, you're just a nut. There's none of this angel stuff and these things, but there, I mean, you look at the Bible, you realize, well, wait a minute, there really are angels. In fact, both Old Testament and New Testament are loaded with them, and we hear these, you read them in the Bible, people say, well, that was back then. It can't be now. Um, I believe it's just because we're out of touch with actually believing these things do happen. I've got just so many different people that have told me very similar uh, stories. Okay, this question, um, this is off topic too, Stacy Rigby, but we can answer it real quick, I think. Have they said a law in Israel that you'll be imprisoned for talking about Jesus? Two of the Knesset members tried to pass that, but like in the United States, you know, you can get some wacko bills, but if they don't get footing, they don't have a, in the United States Congress voting for it and then Senate approving it, and then it going back to Congress and back to the Senate, and then the president to sign off on it, it doesn't become a law. You remember that old uh, schoolhouse rocks where the bill that becomes the law? Well, Israel's kind of set up a, a little similarly, except there, their Supreme Court rules supreme, and that's why Netanyahu is trying to get uh, justice reform there because that branch is too powerful. But only two Knesset members proposed that, and immediately it was shot down. Israel, I, I, I know you're going to Israel in a few weeks. I've been in Israel a few times. They love tourists. They love the money tourists brings. They're not going to do anything to try to destroy the tourism industry. Mm -mm. Which brings me to a safety issue. You know, there's, if we, we read things here in the Western world. We, you know, the Biden administration seems to be doing everything they can to promote the destruction of Israel. I'm convinced they're probably partnering with Iran to get involved in a proxy war uh, because they, they want to promote. So they make sure it's all over the Western media and everything. Listen, Israel is going to do everything they can to make sure when you tour Israel, you have a great time. And um, and uh, so, yeah, there is. is the one thing that unites both Jew and Arab. No matter where you go in Israel, the Jew and Arab will bend over backwards and work together to get your money. <laughs> they, they <laughs> tourists, they're well, united in that. So. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, I mean, you know, I've been in various places in the West Bank and um, all over, all over Israel, and looking forward to go to, to even more places. But it, everybody's friendly there. I mean, Jew and Arab are friendly. For the most part, they actually want to get along, but they've got a few angry neighbors that are like gangs, and 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 uh, and you got world politics involved. But I mean, most people there really, really do want to get along, and and I'm looking forward to having a great time. So for anybody. You're going with us here in a couple of weeks. It's going to be exciting. You're going to find out, wow, Pastor Tom and Nathan were right. It's, 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 we're going to have a great time. Okay, and you're going to... Everyone there is carrying a gun, and all the police have machine guns. 
I mean, it's the most locked down, secure place. And even if there is missile attacks, which isn't in the main areas where the tourists go usually, every building has a bomb shelter. So I, and the, I, I, I used to live in Philadelphia, and I tell you, I feared for my life. I was actually beat up by a gang in my youth in, in downtown Philly. And uh, I felt safer in Israel than I did in Philadelphia. So yeah, I'm not, Tom and I don't want to discourage anyone from going to our ministry. Uh, next month, Tim Moore is leading a trip uh, to Israel. Well, actually, we do have a few spots left open if you're interested. Time's short, but at the end of May, we have a trip to Israel. And then in June, he's leading another tour to Israel. So like your ministry, you know, we lead tours to Israel because we want to show people how prophecy unveiled itself in the land of Israel and what the future holds. I, I don't know about you, Tom, one of my favorite places to go up to Mount Carmel and look over Armageddon or the Valley of Jezreel and say, folks, this is where Armageddon's going to happen, you know? It just makes the Bible come alive. It, it does. I'll tell you another neat place to go is Nazareth on the precipice. As you stand up there, you're looking down into the same valley from a different angle, and you think on the one side you have uh, you have Jesus growing up in Nazareth. You have Mount Carmel, and then you have Nazareth. And you look, you go, Jesus growing up in Nazareth, looking down in that valley, knowing he was going to return there one day. I mean, that's just like, if from Mount Precipice, you can see it. Mount Carmel, you can see it. Uh, folks, it's just something else. We should do a, a trip there sometime. This is assuming we're not raptured in the, in the near future. Hey, we'll, 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 keep, we'll keep moving forward. Yeah, I think we're getting close. Uh, all the signs of the times are just coming like this. I mean, it's they are. Gotta be, it's got to be soon. They are. So I'm going to go to Israel as much as I can between now and then. <laughs> I would love to go over there with you guys sometime, Nathan. That would be great. Um, we'll have to, pardon me? We'll have to partner sometime. That would be great. I know we're just about out of time, but I want to just make sure this last one gets straightened out because I think Timothy is a little bit confused on something we were saying. Uh, Timothy Van Osdal said, I'm having a hard time with Satan, the highest angel created. Why is he or why would he allow himself to be possessed with the demon? I think he's got Antichrist mixed up with Satan. So it's Antichrist, the man who gets possessed. Can you explain that, Nathan? I think the question probably came because we were talking about the frog demons, and the frog demons uh, were gotcha. released okay. by by Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. So that's why Tom and I were talking about that you can have multiple demons with inside a body. It seems that the Antichrist and the false prophet, though possessed, might not be possessed by just one, but many, and they release these frog demons. They look like frogs to go out, and and whatever form they take, they they must be really good at convincing because they convince they are all these leftover people in the world in this shattered, destroyed economically starving world and somehow gets them all together to amass in the valley of Jezreel. And it's not just conscripting armies, it's conscripting everybody. I mean, anybody who can stand and hold a, a shovel or whatever gets dragged down there. So yeah, uh, the Antichrist we know in the midpoint of the tribulation will be possessed by Satan. Satan will try one more time to, because he has access to the throne of God to try to overthrow Jesus uh, up in heaven. And again, they get kicked out permanently. That's it. His access to heaven. We read that in Revelation 12. And so from there on, as, as Tom said, his his time is short. Matter of fact, I wanted to add to what you said. Not only is, do we know exactly the, the 1260 days from the desecration of the temple to Jesus' return, but the Bible says the day of Christ, the day of his return is a day like no other. For a full day, 
and the Bible doesn't explain it, but there's his sign in the sky. I think in the Left Behind series, they said it was like, a, they try to imagine it like a giant cross, but it'll be dark and, and the whole world will be quiet, just waiting for the Lord's return. And Satan knows he's got less than 24 hours to, wow. to be not bound into the bottomless pit. So folks, I really recommend jump in the book of Revelation. It's not too hard to, to uh, understand it. it once you believe it, you'll understand it. And uh, so I loved my my dive into the mighty angels of Revelation. It was a, a great study. I learned so much. And if you're interested in going along that journey with me, you can find the book on our website at ChristinProphecy.org or on Amazon. It's uh, particularly inexpensive in Kindle. And Amazon just gave it uh, uh, the best read awards. So I'm, I'm rather proud of how the Lord's using that book. That is totally cool. Nathan, it's just great having you on with me today. Really appreciate it. Miss you. I look forward to having you on as soon as they can. Lee Brainerd will be with me tomorrow. Uh, looking forward to that. I haven't had Lee on in a while. He just returned from Israel, so he'll have, he'll have stories too. He's pretty excited, I know, because he was texting me. Um, listen, uh, Nathan, again, just a real blessing. Tell everybody there I said hi. Look forward to stopping by and seeing you guys next time I'm in Texas, uh, the great state of Texas. And... Um, and uh, got a lot of a lot of connections there, a lot of friends there. But uh, well, we'll be hosting you. We'll give you some good barbecue. Oh yes, we yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> if you're able to come this way, I'll get you some real Mexican food too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, thank you, everybody. Make sure you check out Nathan. All the work that he has, you can see it behind you, behind him, and also uh, ChristandProphecy.org. Uh, and be blessed by the YouTube channel and everything. And I look forward to seeing you all tomorrow. Shalom.